Hey, this is John Reed. I got a really awesome guest. You're not going to believe this one. It's going to be good. But I'm here at the Mobile World Congress, end of day three. Really the end of the conference for you and me, Derek, because we're, we're heading out. Yep. There it's is officially one days. more day. Yep. And this is going to be our show wrap podcast. You're going to get some general reactions to the state of mobility, Internet of Things. But I want to talk a little bit about my guest here, Derek Dupreez, who is the mysterious, intriguing... <laughs> New school, old school journalist and fellow equity partner at Diginomica. Derek joined about a year ago and a little more now, right? And Yeah, just and, over a year now. And I felt indispensable from about the first day. And uh, I want you to get a real kind. sense of what makes makes him tick. You're, you're kind of an old school journalist the way I look at it, which is funny because you're a lot younger than me. But, but you remind me of almost like the classic journalists of... You know, breaking stories, all the president's men. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I meet a lot of journalists my age, obviously, um, yeah. and they seem very much in the mode of new journalism, short form, churn it out as quick as possible. Possible, but I feel like when I started, I had a very good news editor, and that was always about original content, finding the real story, breaking news, analysis, yeah. long form to a certain extent, or medium form, as you like to call it, <laughs> to a certain yeah. extent. Um, so I feel like I had good training from the outset, and it sort of just stuck with me. It's funny, I always find that actually I gravitate more towards the journalists that have been in the industry for about 10, 15 years. Those are the ones I yeah. find myself closest to as opposed to the new breed of journalists coming through. I mean, they've obviously got value as well. Um, but just in terms of my style, I find that I yeah. suit more of that old school feeling. Which comes in handy at a show like this. It does. 90,000 attendees, massive media presence. So how do you go about it when you, when you, when you went to the show like... How do you find the stories that matter? Because I know you're not the kind of person that just wants to amplify no. whatever crap has come from the keynote stage no. here. Well, I mean, there's, from my perspective, there's just no point in doing that. You've got thousands of other journalists here writing the same thing. So you've got to think, I'm going to MWC. There's 90,000 people there, thousands of companies here. What do I want out of it? And I sort of thought initially, okay, I want to do an interesting piece on the internet of things obviously a big topic this year at MWC um, so for me that involved sort of some initial research pre-attending the event um, trying to get in touch with the companies that I thought were perhaps interesting I mean obviously we're limited to two days here so it's quite hard to squeeze right. everyone in um, but I find that forward planning and then trying to actually when you're here just ignore the rest of the noise and just keep that in the background I haven't been to any of the keynotes or done any of that read any of the press releases haven't done any of that wait you didn't hear Zuckerberg no I didn't hear Zuckerberg I, didn't, I haven't even read what he said to be honest with you <laughs> I'm bitterly disappointed <laughs> but you know I find that incredibly useful um, one of the great things about an event like MWC I mean there's lots of negative things going for it but what's useful is that everybody's here so, you know, if you're interested in a topic, you're going to find all the companies here that are able to talk on it. And if you're speaking to somebody that's said something interesting and you think, oh, you know what, X company would be able to provide me more detail on that, they're here for you to do it. So it's a really good way to spend two days getting to know a topic really well um, and sort of trying to understand that a bit better. This show is always hard to wrap your head around. I'm sitting here in day three, and I know eventually I'll probably write a show wrap for Diginomica, and mm. I'm still honestly not sure what the hell I'm no. going to say. I mean, the trends coming out of it are sort of obvious in a way. You know, I mean, it's mobile, it's internet things, it's networks, yeah. but in terms of a wrap, I don't really know 
what there is to say. There's, yeah. uh, that, that's why I think I found the event somewhat un- underwhelming in a way. I mean, it's my first time at MWC, so you hear so much about it. I mean, the scale is impressive. It's obviously an international event. But in terms of quality coming out of it, if you're following the mainstream, I'm not sure how much there is there, mm. really. And, and, of course, we write for an enterprise audience. Sure. So we're always thinking about how does all this consumer stuff tie in. Yeah. Um, what is your sense of sort of the enterprise listeners' takeaways if they weren't able to make it to sunny Barcelona? I think, as, we, as you said earlier today and sort of in discussions we've had, there is a big enterprise presence here. So it's obviously evident that companies are taking this seriously. And I think what's interesting is that the Internet of Things piece everyone I've spoken to is very aware of the fact that there's lots of money up for grabs and I think not being here would be an issue do you know what I mean they're here because they know that that's the next big thing and they're all trying to figure out where do we sit in this what is our stake how do we make a play for it Um, I, I can't see that many of them actually got that figured out but they're here talking about it so that's important one of the SAP executives here talked about by 2020 the, they think the Internet of Things market will be bigger than the ERP market ever was. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, that does give some idea of the sense of scale. Sure. One of the things I am struggling with a little bit with this show is that there seems to be the assumption that all of this technology is sort of for for the good, like that there's no dark side or downside to to everything that's happening and I'm, I'm not convinced that that's true no I completely agree with you there's been two or three instances while we've been here not necessarily at the show I mean there was one when we were out last night where somebody said something about everything being automated and a whole factory running with one person basically just keeping an eye on everything yeah. and that was sold as a and the dog right yeah exactly one person and a dog yeah, yeah so I mean that, that was sold as a this is the fantastic future we're heading towards but actually my initial reaction was bloody hell you know that means <laughs> we've got whole industries being automated and what does that mean for people that have relied on jobs right. in those industries for so long um i don't know what the answer to that is because i think as much as you could argue that those employees will perhaps add more value elsewhere that's not necessarily how society's worked for decades you've always had people doing remedial tasks and that's been important well in that same conversation the example of a grocery bagger was brought up because that was one of my first jobs after, after sure. college, and um, and and they were talking about this whole thing around that that's it's a tight margin industry, and the perception is that those positions are not relevant in the sense that robots could perform them, and and the, yeah, and like you said, that these folks, you know, in the in the utopian version of this, these folks will move into other like mm-hmm. high value positions. But I'm thinking about a lot of the grocery baggers I know, and they're not necessarily cut out to like be that no. sort of you know sort of advisor consultant that would like kind of meet and greet in the store and that, that's not no. you know and I so mean, it makes me wonder yeah you're planning for the removal of these people but who is thinking about what those what's going to happen to those people exactly you know? i mean i remember i had a really interesting conversation a few months back with um it was actually microsoft's innovation office or something one of those <laughs> ridiculous titles but i was talking to him about the prospect of actually creating a digital elite with what we're heading towards. The way I see it is we're going to have a group of people that 
know how to run and operate technology, know how to build it. Um, and there'll obviously be other jobs in between that, but I think there's going to be a whole section of society that actually are faced with the prospect of either adapting roles to fit in with that or being without work. I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, um, especially in terms of kids being educated at school and all those sorts of things. You know, typically, I don't know about the US, but the UK, technology has always taken a bit of a back seat, um, and that's changing a bit. But I think if you're not skilled up in those areas, there's, there's a bit of a potential problem there. Right. And, and I guess I would direct that criticism to the show organizers that I'm sure are eagerly listening to this podcast, which would be, you know, I think you could do an event like this and still take on serious topics like that as well. Absolutely. I don't think it takes away from that we can still acknowledge how important culturally, I mean, culturally mobile is clearly a major change, regardless of how you feel about all the hype around, like, Get, you know who got the award for the best smartphone of the year here yeah. clearly when you just when you travel and like for example in airports where i see teenagers of all ethnic varieties huddled over their phones mm. instead of talking to each other i know something big has changed Absolutely. in the world but it doesn't mean that i think we have to sugarcoat all this stuff into into the kind of techno babble that i've seen the last no, few years here. and that's the thing it's obviously a good selling point for companies to do that as to yeah. say this is how fantastic it's changed society but right. you know speaking to the average person regardless of how it's impacted business and all those things which are obviously great for the bottom line um, right. and how we work but there is a level of I perceive to be anxiety amongst people and how much they are reliant on their phones now and that's right. only going to be amplified if we are then relying on uh, crap load of data coming at us as well right. from all, everything that's around us being connected suddenly uh, all our devices are talking to us yeah, as if we exactly. have enough content to wade through already yeah. that's a pretty good segue to the internet of things research you've been doing mm. so this is a little bit of a story preview that your story will probably be up by the time most listen to this yeah. what are you learning this week um, first of all, I think the first thing that's sort of hit me is that these, as I sort of hinted at earlier, these companies all recognize that the Internet of Things is real, it's coming, it's going to be massive, um, and they all want to stake in it. I think what's throwing them somewhat is that historically my perception is that technology, um, especially on the enterprise front, but even to some extent recently in consumer, um, has been dominated by one or two or three big players. Um, and they've sort of led the way for everyone else to follow on. Um, there's obvious examples for that. But I think with the Internet of Things, it's not as simple as that because of the diversity in the stack with Internet of Things. I think there's going to be multiple players leading the way across multiple industries, and that creates problems for these vendors across a number of fronts because they want all the pie, and that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, uh, we, we were talking about connected cars last night with another journalist, and he was saying, you know, you put a 4G SIM in your car, who controls most of the revenue for that? Is it the SIM provider? Is it the connectivity? Is it Ford? Is it the people managing the data? How do you split that revenue? Um, there's a lot of interests at stake here, and I think that's problematic for the vendors at the moment. Right, and we we're talking with the SAP rep earlier. 
we're talking about almost like six different layers in that yep. stack. So that's getting pretty complicated. Yeah. And, and th- no one vendor is going to own no. that. No. And I think what's interesting is at the moment, people are focusing on the Internet of Things from almost the hardware technology sensor layer. That's the sort of starting point. Um, you know, a lot of the startups here, which are fascinating, but a lot of it's about refining those technologies so they can be deployed on scale. But actually, from people I've spoken to, that's sort of getting the industry to a point where they can roll this out, but those aren't going to be the big winners in this industry. You know, Cisco or Ericsson or whoever that dominates at that level, um, they're going to make money, but the real big winners are going to be the application providers on top, drawing value out. Um, And I feel like the application providers are, are waiting for a point where they get to that. Um, I actually had a really interesting conversation with a guy yesterday. He runs a consulting firm in North America, but it's sort of global. And he's solely dedicated to pretty much finding these small startups. And he's sort of focusing on internet things at the moment. Um, And then figuring out what their technology does, figuring out why it's important. But then the sole purpose is selling them on to bigger companies. So I think we're going to see a lot of acquisitions coming up um, in the future, sort of companies trying to get their stake in it that way putting offerings together by the way those listening sorry about the goofy music that came on <laughs> in the background that that's not my playlist uh seems to have turned off again anyway we yeah. have no control over that so hopefully it didn't bother you too much it might come back on the other point you've made earlier in your research that i thought was interesting was this contrast between efficiency versus growth can you tell us about that yeah it seems that a lot of the vendors you speak to, so I, I mean, because I've only had a couple of days, I've sort of spoken to the bigger players just because I feel like they're actually probably got more of an idea about the business case at the moment. Um, and what I find interesting is that most of them are talking to me about the efficiency gains, which is an obvious use case. You know, you talk to SAP or Accenture or whoever, what they're interested in at the moment is the fact that they can get the Internet of Things into companies and they can make money from that and companies can easily cut costs with the internet of things and that's great but i feel like that's not actually what people want want the internet of things to do that's not what's interesting what's interesting is going to be how you create new revenue streams or new businesses around being able to collect all this data from everything for example somebody was speaking to me yesterday about a tire company and how initially they put sensors in all of the tires in their cars etc so they were collecting data on that to improve the quality of the tires over time trying to figure out where they could make improvements in their r&d etc but having collected all that data and realized they had all this information on the tires as they were out on the road um, what they realized is they could build this whole new business function within their business um, that was focused on services so it was you know they could ring up and their customer and say look your tires had x amount of miles on it we've noticed that the wear is this we can come out now and replace that for x amount of money and that's suddenly a whole new revenue stream building out and i think that's not what a lot of people are looking at at the moment and perhaps they should be. I think people haven't got that figured out. And the problem with it is that you don't really know what those new services are going to be until you've got the data. Right. Um, so a lot of them will focus on efficiency first, but I think that that's actually where the interesting part comes in next. Right, because now suddenly you have a tire company that's no longer technically really a tire right. company. 
I did an interview earlier today with Philips, um, and it's like a lighting company that's maybe no longer a lighting company because lighting's become like a smart object into a whole different way of relating to customers across different industry use cases. Exactly. And to me, that gets back to a point I heard you make as well around, I hate, I really hate to use the word disruption, but there's this thing around like that these, this could come at you from a lot of different directions exactly. now that you're not expecting. That's the thing. I think a lot of the miners, retailers, financial services firms, they'll be looking at this going, okay, great, get the internet things in, let's do the efficiency thing, let's spend two to three years doing that, and then down the line, five years' time, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, as we saw with mobile and cloud, what happens is while you're doing that, other companies who don't have any legacy, don't have any things, they're sitting there thinking all this technology is available. How can I build a business using those things that directly competes with your companies in a completely different way? And although I can't figure out what those companies are going to be, um, just like you probably couldn't have anticipated an Uber or an Airbnb, I just, I can see it happening and I can, it just sort of, it seems inevitable. Um, So, I mean, if I was a retailer or whatever, I would be worried about that. Cool. We have one more meeting and then we're we're out of here, baby. (laughs) Thanks, Derek. Thanks, John. See you.